what really can you do with your consciousness? What is the unexplored territory here? And the unexplored territory, guys, is enormous. We can do a huge amount. We can literally shift molecules in our bodies. We're doing it all the time. And so I, I just saw this huge idea hanging out there in the psychosphere of a book not a metaphysical book on mind matter, but a book on the mechanics of it, the science behind it, how we do that step by step by step. That's Dawson Church, and this is the Soul and Wonder Podcast, episode 57, How Your Mind Shapes Your Reality. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder Podcast, where the conduits of the body, depths of the mind, and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion. Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe, uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing, all to empower you on your journey of self-discovery. And now, here are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah. Welcome, beautiful souls, to the Soul and Wonder podcast. We are your hosts, Sarah and Christopher, and we're just so excited to have Dawson Church with us today, the author of Mind to Matter, The Astonishing Science of How Your Brain Creates Material Reality. You're not going to want to miss the amazing information he has to share with you. Yes, and again, we loved having Dawson on the show. He's just an amazing man with so much to offer, and we do want to apologize ahead of time. We were feeling quite under the weather when we recorded this interview. We've had a lot of the stuff going on, very big projects that we're taking on, and we are just a two-man team, so it can be a little overwhelming at times, and amidst all of the spiritual energies floating around in the universe. <laughs> have we, you felt it? Have you felt it? Because we certainly have but lots of shifting feeling feeling much better now come out on top and really uh excited about the upcoming things that we have going on and that is one of them the vegan warrior summit if you haven't heard about this summit you need to check it out veganwarriorsummit.com it will have all the information on this amazing five-day online conference it features 34 vegan thought leaders and experts from around the globe all to help you amplify your life so you can accelerate your wave of change and we can create that more compassionate world we all wish to see you can get your free ticket at veganwarriorsummit.com Well, there you have it. And now let's get into Dawson. Dawson Church is an award-winning author whose best-selling book, The Genie in Your Genes, has been hailed by reviewers as a breakthrough in our understanding of the link between emotions and genetics. He founded the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare to study and implement promising evidence-based psychological and medical techniques. His groundbreaking research has been published in prestigious scientific journals. He is the editor of energy psychology theory research and treatment a peer-reviewed professional journal and a blogger for the huffington post he shares how to apply the breakthroughs of energy psychology to health and athletic performance through eft universe one of the largest alternative medicine sites on the web and we are going to dive into a lot of information 
many different topics, some of them being emotional freedom technique. He's also going to talk about groundbreaking information from his new book, Mind to Matter. And he's share, he's going to share with you powerful real life experiences featured in his book and gives you wonderful tips on how you can begin unleashing the power of your mind to consciously create your reality. So with that said, let's jump in and enjoy the interview. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are so excited to have Dawson Church with us now on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. It is such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, wonderful, wonderful to have you here. When, as Sarah said, I share that same excitement for this, and um, I'm just really uh, stoked to hear what you say. Absolutely. And so, you know, you've been in working in the fields of epigenetics and energy medicine and energy psychology, all of that really interesting good stuff for quite some time. And I'm wondering, how did you get into these fields? Very early, I got curious about energy healing when I was a teenager. And at the age of 15, I learned a method called attunement, which is a lot like um, Reiki or healing touch. And I saw people shift all kinds of psychological as well as physical issues with with attunement. And so I learned to meditate then. I learned energy medicine then. But I always thought of energy medicine, and I think that society thought of energy medicine back then in the 70s and 80s as being fringe medicine. It was called mm. complementary or alternative medicine. It certainly wasn't mainstream medicine. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what's now happened is that as we have tools like MRIs, which look at the energy being used by the brain or EEGs, which measure electrical activity on the surface of the brain, and also things like gene chips and um, hormone tests, neurotransmitter assays, we now can look at what's going on in the body. And what's happening nowadays is that all of these esoteric practices like meditation, like mindfulness, like energy therapies, we're now discovering that when you examine them using those empirical tests and look what goes on in the body, that what's changing is system-wide and pervasive and enormous. In one study I did, for example, um, we found changes to key inflammation genes in veterans who are getting EFT tapping. Uh, In another study, we found changes in in gene expression in people doing meditation. And Mm -hmm. so uh, we're now showing that these these therapies have those those that the ability to change our body. So I've gone from being a practitioner to being a really passionate advocate of these therapies and people using these in a widespread way. So I now recommend through my books, through my blogs, through my scientific research, that people apply these methods in their lives. And I've gone from being a a practitioner to being a, a passionate spokesperson for just how big a change these things can produce in your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering too, because you know, a lot of what you do, a lot of the message that you spread is about the science behind a lot of these topics that seem to be to some people perhaps metaphysical. And so I'd love to hear why do you think it's important to understand the science behind um, <laughs> these practices? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's important because the, uh, the, the metaphysical is physical when mm-hmm. somebody has, I'll give an example. Uh, I was doing a workshop 
at um, in uh, Tampa with my friend Joe Dispenza, and we had about six hundred people there. We over the course of the workshop, we hooked up about 120 of them in the back of the room. We had a team of neuroscientists who were hooking people up and doing very elaborate EEG scans on their brains while they were meditating. I was also testing stress hormones, cortisol, immunoglobulins, and checking on their levels of happiness, pain, anxiety, depression, and other psychological symptoms. So big, large-scale research project. And um, what we would see in the brains of people having a peak experience was a firestorm of activity. Now, that kind of extreme brain activity is usually seen by somebody having a seizure. Mm-hmm. If they're having a seizure, mm-hmm. their, their, their brain is throwing up these highly anomalous signals. There's a huge amount of energy going through the brain. It's incoherent, and they're, they're, they're thrashing around on the floor. These people <laughs> were having these brain signatures with all this energy in their brains, and they were sitting there with a smile on their face and their hands in their laps, breathing deeply and feeling wonderful. One man, and uh, we'll, we'll call him Jose, had come there because he wanted healing, and he had a brain tumor. And a lot of people show up at meditation workshops or at my EFT workshops because they want healing for some condition they have. And this, they, this doctors had been monitoring this brain tumor for some time. And during that meditation at that workshop, he had this metaphysical experience. He, he had this vision. And he's not a guy who's prone to visions. He's not a guy who sees things or is clairsentient or clairaudient. And yet he had this this experience that there were these giant blue energy beings surrounding him. And one of them literally was reaching through his skull into his brain and rearranging the tissue in his brain. While he's having this extraordinary experience of, uh, of these, this co- these coherent brain waves, but enormous amounts of energy going through his brain. So what we recommended, Joe said to him after the, the workshop, why don't you just fly back to your home but make a stop at the clinic that diagnosed you with that brain tumor and get a new MRI. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he did. And the clinic is a famous clinic in Houston, Texas, called the MD Anderson Clinic. So he flew back to MD Anderson rather than going home, flew back to MD Anderson first, hooked him up to the MRI, did a brain scan, and there was no tumor. Now, what is that? How do you interpret that? Here he has a metaphysical experience. He has a, 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 a full sensory experience of these, these beings outside of himself working on his body. Mm-hmm. And after that, mm-hmm. after four days of intense meditation, he has no more brain tumor. His body has healed itself. And we can measure these things now. And the, the fascinating thing is that there is this physical dimension to those metaphysical experiences. We can't measure a 15-foot-high blue angel. (laughs) We can photograph it, but we can certainly measure what goes on in your cortisol level, in your immunoglobulins, in your gene expression, in your EEG scans. And all of those changes we're now discovering are profound, and the healing that goes on is completely out of the ordinary. So that's what I see now in science, is that science is is making the metaphysical real for people in this powerful way. 
So essentially, it's it's science is really bridging the gap between what we deem to be so mysterious. It's like over time, we're starting to be able to explain and understand a little bit more. And, you know, there there's clearly an astounding amount of research done on how our coherent thoughts, our emotions, our core beliefs shape our reality. So why do you think that this isn't quite mainstream information? Yeah, and it used to be regarded as opposites. So either you're a scientist and you were into the world of, of empiricism, or you were a mystic and you were into the world of the esoteric. Mm-hmm. What we're now finding is the two things coming together. And um, it takes a while for a paradigm shift to occur. Paradigm shifts don't occur quickly in science. They take a while. They don't usually occur very quickly in society. They take a while. And so it's taking a while for this to permeate people, people's awareness. And uh, we just have to, have to be patient with, with that process. And it is entering the mainstream more and more, like EFT, Emotional Freedom Techniques, that I teach. I wrote the third edition of the EFT manual, the manual for doing EFT. I wrote that in 2013. And um, last year, after about 10 years of, of work, EFT was approved by the Veterans Administration as a therapy that therapists can use in VA clinics, VA hospitals. And so now we're, we're working this year on something called a private-public partnership with the VA to bring these therapies into VA settings. So they used to be regarded as being fringe, uh, lunatic fringe. And <laughs> 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 now uh, increasingly I'll stand up in front of a room, a room of psychiatrists or psychologists or psychotherapists or social workers, mm-hmm. and I'll say, I'll just talk to them about this 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 evidence. What I'll also do, though, is I want people to try it themselves even one time. Like, I remember I, I was talking to a big hospital chain called Kaiser Permanente. I was doing a big tele, teleclass for their nurses and doctors and, and therapists. And um, I was, was showing them the evidence for EFT, but I spent no more than five minutes talking about the studies, the research. I dive into let's tap ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I had them tap on an event in their lives in the last two weeks that annoyed them. <laughs> and after that, I, I had them scale their degree of emotional triggering before and after. So I said, focus on your body, focus on how upset you are. What's your number? Zero to 10. And so they got their number, wrote it down. And then after tapping, I said, okay, now whose number went down by two points or more? And everyone raised their hand. Everyone went down by two points more. Then I said, raise your hand if your number went down to a zero. And maybe one person in 10 raised their hand. Then I said to people who who raised their hands, I said, would you mind sharing your stories? And they did. So now people are looking around the room and realizing, A, this works for pretty much everyone. B, it brings people down to a zero, sometimes very, very quickly. And C, I felt the change in my body. And you can argue the evidence, you can argue, like the skeptics on Wikipedia, for example, brand all energy therapies as pseudoscience, mm-hmm. and you, you see that word cropping up in all the entries that they write about energy, about acupuncture and homeopathy and, and energy medicine, energy therapies on Wikipedia, they call it pseudoscience. So th- they, they can have that faith-based belief that these things aren't, aren't valid. But once you've, like that group of, of clinicians at Kaiser, once you've felt the shift in your body, once you've felt that, that anxiety at the level of 8 out of 10, and you tap for 30 seconds, and it's a 2, 
that has to make an impression on you. So more and more, it's less convincing people mentally than having the physical experience of change. And when that pain goes away, like in in, in research, the average drop in pain after EFT is 68%. Now that's that's incredible. (laughs) People feel the pain going away and then they, they have a sense that it's real. So it's not just knowing about it mentally, it's having that that somatic experience, mm. kinesthetic feeling of shift in your body. For our listeners who might not be familiar with what EFT is, can you explain briefly um, what's really going on there? Yeah, EFT is short for Emotional Freedom Techniques, and it's usually just called tapping because people tap with their fingertips on 12 or 14 acupuncture points on their bodies. And they do that while they're remembering bad things that happen in their lives. And sometimes those bad things are dramatic and truly awful, like one Vietnam veteran tapped on the death of his best friend in combat. Another woman uh, tapped on sexual abuse at a very early age. Other times they're minor annoyances or beliefs or dysfunctional associations we have in our our psyche. And uh, so people call these troubling thoughts to mind. And then rather than just thinking them, they tap. And the research shows that when you tap, the emotional parts of your brain, the middle of your brain called the limbic system, becomes calm. And so whereas before, remembering the death of your best friend in combat or remembering a terrible car crash that you experienced might have made that limbic system, that middle part of your brain, extremely active. Mm -hmm. Now, after tapping, you still remember the car crash, but now that limbic system is calm. You no longer have the emotional response to your own experiences. And that then removes all the emotional charge from those negative experiences. At that point, people reformulate their lives, re reimagine uh, their lives in a positive way. So it's essentially rewriting the script in a way. And, you know, Sarah and I both have uh, been into energy medicine, but we've yet to really uh, dive into EFT. So all of this, I've read about it, but it sounds incredibly um, interesting. And obviously the impacts have been real. So um, it's just incredible to hear about this. And so what inspired you to write your new book, Mind to Matter, The Astonishing Science of How Your Brain Creates Material Reality? Well, I'm going to give you a, a, a kind of a, <laughs> a uh, uh, an unusual answer to that because there are all the stock answers that authors will give you <laughs> that it was a subject, that it was their interest, field of interest, that it was a uh, book that needed to be written. But I'll, 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 I, uh, one here's a really different way to think about this. There's a concept that a famous Jesuit priest in the 1950s, Teilhard de Chardin, called the psychosphere or the noosphere that is the, the the sum total of all of the activity of consciousness on the planet and so we live not just in an atmosphere or in an ionosphere in terms of physical reality we live also in a psychosphere or a noosphere the sphere of consciousness in the planet and um i've been in this energy medicine world for decades now but In 2003-2004, I was working with Bruce Lipton on his book, The Biology of Belief. And as I worked with Bruce, I began to realize that there was a lot to the picture. 
and I I just realized there was like this 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 idea in the psychosphere that emotions that consciousness that spiritual experiences triggered gene expression mm. in the, in the biology belief he talks about beliefs triggering gene expression and that's true i also began to expand that idea to energy triggering gene expression and consciousness as a whole triggering gene expression and i could feel that idea pulsing in the psychosphere and I realized somebody was going to write a book about this and was going to become a bestseller. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I think that'll be me. <laughs> and I just worked furiously on that book for the best part of a year. And the book was published and it had a huge impact on the, um, on the debate about and the, the awareness of the importance of gene expression and the way we, we influence gene expression through our, our thoughts, our consciousness, our emotions, our spiritual experiences. And with Mind to Matter, I... I also never, I also never thought I would. I did not think lightning would strike twice in the same place. I did not think I'd ever have another huge, big idea like the genie in your genes. And then um, last year, I was I was interviewing scientists about this whole idea that our thoughts create our reality, because I was a bit of a skeptic about it. I, I thought, you know, I, I know obviously if I you know, I can create a reality of a cup of tea by walking downstairs and putting on the kettle. <laughs> it doesn't take much uh, uh, metaphysical ability to make a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, there are people who do extraordinary things. There are, for example, there are chi masters who at a distance can produce changes in plant growth, in healing. How is that possible for consciousness to be affecting matter on those fundamental levels? Uh, they can affect cell cultures. They can affect... The, the growth of the amount of chlorophyll in plants. How is it possible for intention, for consciousness to be having an effect on that level of physical reality? And I thought, as a personal growth, as a personal transformation, uh, someone who is interested in, in using personal transformation techniques, you want to do things that expand your potential. But you don't want to be beating your head against the wall, wall doing things that are pointless. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll give you one example. A lot of people talk about uh, about reversing aging. And I can just tell you, you can certainly slow the aging process down. You can certainly do things like lengthen the telomeres, which are the aging markers in your cells. But you can't become 16 years old mm-hmm. again if you're 42 or 75. That's just not going to happen. So what is the what is realistic? What can you do with your mind? And what I found as I meticulously researched the science behind this is you can do a whole huge amount, far more than most people are doing. Most people are using a tiny fraction mm-hmm. of their mental ability for transformation. So I wrote the book to, to, to show exactly what you could do. What's absurd? What is trying to be an NBA player at the age of 70? It's not going to happen. <laughs> no, those things are Jumping at one leap over Mount Everest, not going to happen, and making a cup of tea. So what what really can you do with your consciousness? What is the unexplored territory here? And the unexplored territory, guys, is enormous. We can do a huge amount. We can literally shift molecules in our bodies. We're doing it all the time. And so um, I I thought, there, I, I just saw this huge idea hanging out there in the psychosphere of a book not a metaphysical book on mind to matter, but a book on the mechanics of it, the science behind it, how we do that step by step 
by step, molecular reaction by molecular reaction, cell by cell, body by body, uh, energy field by energy field, and I decided to trace every single link in the chain of causality between thought and thing. And I also wanted to see if I could break the chain. Would there be big gaps in the explanatory record where science could not explain how thoughts become things? And I finished the book with my mouth hanging open and unable to find a single broken link in the chain from thought to thing. And so after those interviews, after after looking at this for, for a few months, I just dove in. I talked to my friend Reed Tracy at Hay House. He gave me a generous advance to write the book. I jumped in. I wrote the book. And uh, even, even the, synchronously, the, the book uh, just came together with all kinds of synchronous events around the book being mm-hmm. published. So uh, I, the lightning struck t- twice in the same place, and the book is now – it's only been out for a very short while, but it's, it's been hitting all the bestseller lists. It's just um, – it, it's not it, – it, it's, it's, you have a sense of being used by a force greater than yourself. <laughs> and you have to do that. You have to sit at the computer and do, do the stuff. But at a certain point, you surrender to that, and and that's that's the really unusual way in which I came to write this book. It's it's as though you stepped out of your own way and entered that flow where that, if some people want to call it higher consciousness, is able to channel through something that we're all very connected to because it is us. And I think it's so wonderful that you're grounding this with science because I know that it's so it's such preposterous concepts for some of us to believe that we actually have the power to <laughs> to create our lives. And it's, yeah. it's um, something that, you know, lately, Christopher and I, we've been doing conscious manifestation workshops and just getting people to dive deeper into healing their internal condition. Um, and so hearing the science behind it really empowers people because they're like, oh, wow, so this isn't just some hippie shit. Like, this <laughs> is like legitimate stuff. And it blows their minds every time. And uh, I, you mentioned you're friends with Joe Dispenza and his book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, is like one of my favorite books to reference for people when they question anything in this realm. And um, I'm wondering for some of our skeptics who might be listening, I'm sure they're probably curious about some examples that you could perhaps share that maybe you've heard some powerful stories about people tapping into their own power and unleashing that within their own lives. Many stories. And I do tell a lot of stories in the book because one of the uh, experiences that is necessary for people is not just to understand the science behind it, but how the science impacts mm-hmm. you and me, real human beings. And so the book is has many stories, probably a hundred of them or more, of real people who apply these principles and saw massive shifts in their lives. And so the brain tumor story is is one of those. Other people saw changes in their relationships or saw changes in their financial situations. And um, as people began to apply these techniques, very different things and often miraculous seeming things would show up in their outer circumstances. So the change happened internally first. The change happened as an internal Mm -hmm. shift. And when that shift was persistently held, then the shift happened outside of, 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 of oneself. Maybe the most startling uh, category of these experiences is people who are able to change molecules outside of themselves. Uh, there is a um, a Chinese Qigong master 
and I talk about the experiments with him in chapter five of the book called The Power of Coherent Mind. And uh, he is able to direct chi to non-material up to uh, non-material objects like um, like chemicals, and he's able to to shift their their chemical uh, chemical structure. He's also able to change the speed at which radioactive substances decay. Now, this is definitely I'm trying to think of a, of a word for it. It's it's definitely something that our current scientific model has no room to explain. Mm-hmm. And what this, this, this Qigong master does, Dr. Yan Zin, is they take this radioactive substance called americium, and when he directs his attention to it, it, it emits these particles at a steady rate. And so radioactive decay is one of the foundation, it's one of the four fundamental forces in physics. So there are four fundamental forces, electromagnetism, gravity, the strong nuclear force that holds atoms together, and the weak nuclear force that is what we measure with radioactive decay. So uh, americium and beryllium and cesium and uranium, plutonium, all these radioactive substances emit these radioactive particles, and they emit those radioactive particles in a very steady rate. In fact, the rate is so steady that it's used by science to build clocks when you need super accurate science measurements. Like a cesium clock is accurate within one second in 200 million years. That is how stable the rate of atomic decay is. Unless Dr. Zinn has the intention that it'll speed up, in which case he can speed it up by over 10%. Mm. So this totally stable, uh, one of the four fundamental forces of physics can be affected by intention. Now, does that mean any of us can do that? No. Uh, Can only certain people do it? Yes. But highly trained people can do it. And the commonality of those people is that they have what I call coherent mind. Mm -hmm. And the example I use in the book is light waves. If you take light waves and and you build a simple light bulb scattering incandescent light or LED light in all directions, these are incoherent light waves that are coming out from that light bulb, and they can do a lot of good. They can illuminate a light, a, a room 10, 15, 20 feet away. They're able to light up that room. 60 watts of incoherent light can light up a room take that same 60 watts of light and make it coherent, have all those light waves going in the same direction, that's called a laser. That same 60-watt laser can cut through a steel Mm. plate. That's the power of focused intention, focused mind. And people who are master manifestors have that mental focus. And in Mind to Matter, I describe the difference between somebody who is just thinking a thought, having an intention, having a wish, that's usually completely Mm -hmm. ineffective. But bring your mind into coherence, and then your intentions are effective. So it is remarkable that we can literally affect the, the physical world around us, atoms and molecules, by the power of coherent mind. Mm, I'm glad that you touched on that because I think that's one of the most common manifestation myths is that, oh, if I think happy thoughts, I will align with happy experiences. Or if I think negative thoughts, I'll align with negative experiences. And um, it's just, 
not true. And I think sometimes when people think that it's that simple, then they become, they feel defeated when they're not able to take charge and experiment with the way in which they build their lives. And so it's, it's so important to be able to tap into your, your practice. It's like you said, the internal condition, you know, that needs to be held persistently through the process rather than just thinking like, okay, I can do this. And then trying and failing and then thinking you can't do anything at all. The other thing that I argue for in Mind to Matter very strongly is that you let go of your small local self. So Joe in his mm-hmm. book is called Breaking the Habit, the book is called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And then in the EFT manual, I asked Joe if I could use that title as one of the chapter titles. So there's a chapter called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself in the EFT manual because it is so hard to do. And we're used to <clears throat> we're used to creating the same self and the same circumstances over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And in the famous double slit experiments that have been done now in physics for over a century, uh, we, we we see the observer effect where the, and, and the setup of the of the experiments very simple that either photons, light waves, or electrons are passed through two slits in a plate and then they're recorded where they hit on the on the receiving plate behind those two slits so we can see them and so as you would expect they pass through the slits and we can record where they're hitting mm-hmm. at the other end but if there's an observer if someone's watching the experiment they change they now go through the slits and interact totally differently. They behave as particles. Whereas before, if they're not being observed, they behave as waves. And what's happening there is observation is collapsing the swarm of infinite possibilities into a single distinct probability. Mm. And only when that experiment is observed, when there's an observer sitting there watching the experiment, does that possibility way full of infinite possibilities, infinite numbers of places those electrons can go, get collapsed into a single distinct probability, which is a single material reality. And so we're doing that all the time in our lives. We're collapsing all of our potentials, all of our possibilities into a few very limited potentials. And so, sure, you can be a great creator. You can be a great manifester in terms of your own life. But if you're manifesting the same old limited self day after day after day, you don't change, you don't grow, you don't evolve. So the whole book is really focused on persuading readers that what you want to do instead is let go of that, what I call the local self. Let go in the very first part of the book, in the very first introduction, I talk about the local self and the non-local self. And then at the end of the book, I cycle back to that idea of non-local self. And so rather than creating your reality out of the limited conditioning in local self. And an example of that is, you know, I'm lonely, so I want a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's a, a reaction against a condition in your life. There's nothing elevated or noble or uh, dis- or expressing your potential in that. Or I, I'm broke, I want money. Mm-hmm. That's just a reaction to where you are right now. Or I'm sick and I want health. Uh, that's such a limited way to think about manifestation. Instead, what I say is surrender to the mystery. Let go of the local self. Merge in meditation. Merge in in wonder, in awe 
with non-local self because the vision of you that the benevolent universe has in non-local reality is infinitely full of potential compared with the limited reality and the limited vision you have of who you think you are. And so that's really where I take people in the book is into letting go of collapsing their infinite potential into a very limited single probability every day and surrendering to the huge infinite possibilities that are there in non-local mind create from there. And you then, first of all, you create effortlessly. And secondly, you create the highest possible version of your, your life, your circumstances. Very, very well said. And, you know, I think once you tap into the synchronicities of life, you know, your life just opens up in such a magical way and being in that flow. And that's something that I wish that everybody can tap into. And it sounds like obviously through your book, listeners are able to take their, their lives to the next level in this way. So um, I know you mentioned there are some practices our listeners can, can do that you give them in the book, but what's one first step they can take today to begin uh, unleashing their power of their minds to consciously create their reality? I uh, give people about 30 practices in the book. And so at the end of every chapter, there is a section called extended play. And when you click on that that link or type that link into your browser or into your f- smartphone, you get access to those practices. And so uh, we can't obviously show videos in the book, but all the videos are there in the extended place section you get at the, at the end of each chapter. And so there are about 30, cha- 30 practices I recommend. I use many of them myself and uh, I teach and recommend them. The, the baseline practice is meditation. Meditation is essential. Meditation is something that is able to set up a baseline of well-being in in your life, both psychologically and physically. And so I recommend everybody meditate. But I also know that meditation for most people is hard, and uh, most people try and meditate and have a difficult time with it. So I, with a group of scientists, I put together a meditation method about 10 years ago called eco-meditation, ECO meditation. And it's a super simple way of meditating because it uses only physical cues. It does not require you to quiet your mind. It does not require you to breathe uh, and and let go of your worries. You can be as worried as you, as you, as, as you are. <laughs> you can have a monkey mind like I have. And if you just do these certain things, you will be able to meditate very, very quickly. We got an email from uh, a lady this last week who allowed us to use her name and we just posted it on the, on the website. Her name is T- Tony Tomlinson, and she, she, Tony said, "I'm I'm I'm a, I'm a single mom. I'm overwhelmed. I have, I have kids. I just I'm, I'm so stressed. I try to meditate. I can't do it. And I sat down to try eco meditation, and my mind said, "You've tried before a million times. You always fail. This will never work.'" And I began to do the relaxation you recommend. I began to feel the the sensation in my heart you recommend I feel. And she said, my eyes filled with tears, my heart filled with bliss, and suddenly I was there. Mm. I'm going to meditate every day from now on. And I love to hear those stories because it's inspiring people to actually do that daily meditation. So that's the one thing I recommend people do every day. You will feel differently after you do that meditation method. 
The second thing I recommend everyone learn is EFT tapping because it takes two minutes and when you're going through your day and you get stressed, tapping is what brings you quickly back to a baseline of inner peace. So that's the second big, big recommendation. Uh, there are many others as well. Time in nature is really important. Consciously carving out time to be in nature. Another is contact with the earth, earthing, grounding, be walking barefoot on the earth, taking a walk on the beach, uh, taking a shower even hooks you up with water as a conductor, hooks you up with the earth's electromagnetic field. So suddenly you're, you're part of the earth's field if you're taking a shower or in a bathtub. So doing all these things that help you connect time with quality time with other people, social connections, uh, shifting from your head to your heart when you talk to people in your life. Don't talk out of your head all the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe you are smart, but if you if you relate to your your child or your wife or your parent from a brilliant mind, you're not going to have nearly the quality of relationship you have if you shift to your heart. And so many of our relationships would be so much better if we came from our heart and spoke from our heart. So another powerful practice. And so there are thirty of these practices in Mind to Matter that I share with people and urge them to try them, and then do the ones that that fit their lifestyle, but at least learn to tap and learn eco meditation. Mm. That is very sound advice. Yes. I love all everything you just said there. <laughs> Wonderful words of wisdom. And I can tell you listeners, you are worth the time to take for yourself to continuously just go deeper within grounding yourself, exploring. It's like he said, it's the journey. It's the exploration process, being in awe and in wonder. Um, so Dawson, for those of them, our listeners, who are super excited to get this book of yours, where they can, where can they find Mind to Matter and how can they keep up with you for your updates? The best way is to go to the website mindtomatter.club.club mindmeta.club because there's also a link there to my live events. I train people in EFT and meditation. I speak at Esalen. I speak at I do workshops at the New York Center, at Omega Institute, at Kripalu, all of these places. So you want to uh, find uh, a live event if you'd like to. And at mindmeta.club, so mindtomatter.club, and there are links to the live events there. There's also a really cool thing, which is that I've recorded seven eco-meditation meditations, one for each chapter of the book with a goal of helping you really embody and apply the lessons of mind to matter as you go through the seven chapters of the book. So you listen to one of those 15-minute meditations each day, and those meditations are on the website mindmatter.club. So mindmatter.club has meditations. It has all of the ways of, t of tapping into the community, like the Facebook uh, page, Facebook group has all kinds of, of um, useful ways of applying this. I, I don't want to just inspire people. You know, Christopher, if, if you inspire people, or Sarah, if you do a workshop and you inspire people, that's the, the, the start of the journey. But how do you motivate them to actually do those things in their day every single day and apply mm -hmm. those in their lives? That's really my, my focus with mindmatter.club is forming a community of practice. People will actually do these things. And so they have to be easy, they have to be simple, they have to be practical. But I've, I've spent, you know, I've, I, I'm in my 60s, I've spent literally over 40 years assembling 
all the tools I could possibly can that are easy, that are, are effective, that are evidence-based, research-based, science-based. These things are simple, but they really seriously work to shift you. So I've got them all collected in mindbetter.club, and that's where people can go to get the book, but also get all the other goodies as well. Well, that definitely sounds like a very empowering resource. I, I definitely urge people to get over there and we'll we'll head over there ourselves yes, as well. Yes, absolutely. And I, I love what you said about, you know, workshops, seminars, even just books. Like we often fool ourselves into thinking that we've got it all figured out because we, we go to a couple workshops regularly or here and there. And it's it's like you said, we have to help inspire people, including ourselves, to continue to do the the work in between and not use it as a band-aid, you know. And what you're doing is just so inspiring to help people hold themselves accountable and stay on track because they are worth it. And so thank you for all of the work that you do. I'm so excited to continue to follow your journey. And I'm sure that our paths will cross some days. We would love to attend one of your events. Oh, I'd love to have you. I do them all over the place. I love connecting with people. And there's something magical about an event, too, because you sit down with people at dinner or at lunch or at breakfast, and you have a chance to tap into each other's soul and heart and physical presence. And I just love doing signings, live workshops, and meeting people in person. Absolutely. That's great. Well, I hope to uh, definitely catch you around then. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on this show. And we will be in touch. Bless you. And thank you for your wonderful work and spreading the word. What incredible information. This man is a true guiding force in creating our own reality. Definitely check out what he has to offer and follow his journey. I know we will. And if you enjoyed this interview, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and leave us a review on iTunes. It truly does help us out. And guess what? We have started a new live YouTube series. So be sure to join us every Sunday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern on YouTube for our new live series called Conscious Conversations, a show where we literally just have a conversation about all the stuff Chris and I already talk about behind the camera in our daily lives as a couple steeped in the realm of personal growth and spirituality. In these super chill, super casual, interactive videos, we share our opinions, our beliefs, experience, and expertise to provoke thought and inspire action for you to awaken, discover, and connect to the deeper meaning of life and the world around you. Bring your questions, bring your comments. This is an interactive community experience, and we're just going to hang out. So we hope to see you live Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to subscribe on our YouTube channel so you don't miss a beat.